Bass Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gammons, and I've got a special guest with me today, Maurice Cobb, who is the principal of Kensington Elementary School in Georgetown, South Carolina. How are you today, Maurice? I'm doing perfectly fine, Mr. Gammons. Thank you for having me, sir. No problem. No problem at all. Um, I know we were just talking briefly about a little bit of, of behavior at the school and, and having to be a principal first when it comes to education. How did how did you get your start in education? I know you said you you just said you started in the second grade. What what got you into wanting to be an educator? Uh, well, um, you know, typically um, you may when that question is asked uh, to uh, current teachers, they will always without a doubt tell you that it was a teacher in their life mm. impacted them um, that uh, that sparked the interest in them um, and I can't really say that for me uh, which is uh, kind of a it's, it's different um, for me it was the fact that I wanted to uh, I didn't have anyone necessarily to inspire me in that way um, in terms of a teacher um, but I did have some good teachers, no doubt. Um, but it was just pretty much as I got to be um, a high school student, I saw where children like myself, we were the future, and I wanted to be a part of that future in building that future future uh, for our children. So I did um, in high school take on a um, um, a student, um, uh, like a little, um, what you may call it, like, teacher cadet program. And, um, and when I got into that teacher cadet program, um, I, I felt too, I, I said to myself and I felt within myself, okay, this is, this is a good thing. I, it felt right. As I was working with little children, I was a, I was a, a 12th grade at the time. Um, and I was um, doing a teacher cadet program at my elementary school that I had gone to, which is Deep Creek Elementary. And uh, as I worked with those children, um, just to see their faces when they learned a concept, when they learned a skill. Um, and so it was just that interaction that I had with those children at that time as a teacher cadet um, in high school. And I saw an opportunity to really shape and mold our future. Mm. That's where I found a love for what I do today. You know, it came out of, it was birthed out of that. Yeah. And so elementary, is that, is that kind of your, your area of focus? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I'm certified uh, uh, to teach, um, you know, K through three. Um, and of course, um, you know, as a school leader, um, I'm certified to lead um, in uh, settings um, on the elementary level and middle school level as well. And uh, it's just where I find my niche. I feel like that's where I need to be and where my focus should be. I feel like um, I have the greatest impact there. Um, and I'm sure that those uh, mid and high school folks will, will, you know, they'll say differently because we always say, um, about one another. I don't know how you teach those elementary kids. And mm -hmm. we always say, I don't know how you teach those middle and high school kids, but um, we all have our, our, our niche. Yeah. And uh, for me, it is in that elementary setting to be able to capture um, and impact those lives as early as possible. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a, a very um, uh, important thing, profound thing. Um, and, um, and I feel that's where my work is. Mm. So as a, as a school leader, um, how are you preparing your elementary school students for success in what is today a global economy? Hmm. Well, in, um, in regards to that, I, I feel one of the things that we do um, in our state, in our district, and uh, of course, in our school, we teach the profile of the South Carolina graduate, which I'm sure you've heard about that. Um, but the profile of the South Carolina graduate is all about teaching our students world-class knowledge and world-class skills 
and also life and career characteristics. So when we talk about world-class knowledge, we're talking about, you know, teaching rigorous standards hmm. um, and, uh, and, and with good, strong um, instruction and strategies. And, um, and that's in science and technology and engineering and math. That's what we're doing. Um, and it starts with the standards. What is the expectation for our children? Um, and those expectations are in the form of, st- of the state standards. And those standards have to be rigorous. You know, um, and then when it comes down to the world class skills, Mr. Gamage, it really has to do with um, teaching children how to be innovative, uh, teaching them how to be good communicators, um, to be very social, um, and also to to be able to collaborate with others because um, they. And I feel like sometimes the collaboration is not quite where it needs to be. Needs to be, um, and so we are teaching those types of skills because when you're on your job, you have to collaborate. Uh, when you're, uh, you know, you're you're the the person's you know, in the cubicle next to you, the teacher in the classroom next to you. Uh, you have to be able to collaborate. It's such a, a strong skill that's needed in order to be successful. And it's a global thing, you know, as well. And when you get these skills and these knowledge down pat, you can, we are, we, we are arming our children and preparing them to compete on a global level. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, too, you know, those life and career skills um, as well, you know, such as having integrity, you know, um, on the job, off the job, um, being self-directed so that you don't have to have someone over you micromanaging you. Uh, yeah. These are all things that goes back to those uh, the, uh, being able to compete on a global level. And so we instill these things in our students at Kingsington and also um, in our district. And, um, and, I, and I'm proud to say that we are doing a good job with that. Um, and there's much more work to be done in that area. Um, and we'll continue to troubleshoot, diagnose, and we'll continue to aim for the, for the stars. Yeah, yeah. E- education is no, um, it's not a short task at all. There's, there's a lot that you have to do to prepare. Um, mm-hmm. And for myself, I started off actually as a, as a professional speaker. Wow. Traveling the state and wanting to talk to um, students and educators and stuff like that. But I realized like, hey, you know, 30 or 45 minute talk, that's great. And, and mm-hmm. there is impact in that. Yeah. What, if, what does it take to go deeper in that impact with these students and mm-hmm. training a teacher or training a principal or, or impacting leadership to be able mm-hmm. to help those people that are with the student eight hours a day? to really make that kind of change. Absolutely. For a leader, what is it that you're doing to prepare your teacher? And what we have now is a national teacher shortage um, Mm -hmm. in America. How are you preparing your teachers to provide those students with quality education day in and day out? Um, well, one of the things that we, what we're doing, um, and it's a structure that's really pretty much already been set up uh, for us as school leaders, is just a matter of monitoring and, uh, and, and continuing to, re- to reinforce, and that is uh, teaching, um, again, going back to instruction, making sure that your instruction is innovative, making sure that your instruction is motivating um, and engaging for students because it's when you're, when you're, when your instruction is mediocre, children will check out, uh, they will dismiss you. And it's just kind of like holding a remote control. Uh, they will tune you out. Um, if your instruction is not what it needs to be. And that's why we do, um, according to our, um, SC rubric, which is a, um, 
um, a measure, um, which is pretty much what I just said, a rubric that came down from the State Department that we have just started to enforce in the state of South Carolina and also in our district of Georgetown County, um, enforcing that rubric. And that rubric has many domains and indicators um, that um, pretty much details very in a very detailed way um, what instruction should look like in the classroom, mm -hmm. uh, what students should be doing, what teachers should be doing, what that environment should look like. Um, uh, and it, it just pretty much covers those, uh, those domains of instruction, lesson plans, environment um, to make sure that when I go into a classroom as a uh, as a um, evaluator and observer that I'm looking at that rubric and I'm looking for certain things in order for children to be successful and so again going back in order for children to be successful um, and student and teachers as well that instruction has to be rigorous engaging it has to be motivating uh, for students and you have to allow them a level of autonomy and exploration mm -hmm. um, so it's not just the worksheets and it's not the teacher doing all the teaching and as we always say it's that say and spray or spray and say kind of deal and you're hoping that children get it but you're allowing children teachers are actually taking a step back and then you're just monitoring and you're kind of you know uh, you know determining when you need to step in as a teacher but you're allowing children that exploratory time um, and um, yeah, within a, a, the, the scope of a lesson um, and um, and again making sure that teachers know their students and they know their content as well. Um, and also too, on the other hand, we have to provide teachers with professional development. Um, and, uh, and if we don't provide them with that professional development, they can't be successful in that classroom. And so that's another um, aspect of my job. Um, and that is to make sure that teachers are armed with the tools that they need um, and that they're comfortable um, and that we keep communication open so I can say, okay, now what else do you need in order to be successful in your classroom? So um, we're, doing, we're doing a lot of things, but like I said, there, I feel like the State Department in our district has already set up a structure um, yeah. that for us to work within in order for success to in order for success to come for our students and our teachers. It's just a matter of enforcing it and also, um, um, you know, monitoring that progress and also to being able to tweak it just a little bit because every building is different, yeah. every district is different, but there's a common general structure set in place for us to work within. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's really good. Um, and you mentioned something there too, teachers knowing your students. Um, yes. What kind of strategy, you know, I know you're referring to the um, the 4.0 rubric, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That is a very thick rubric, very comprehensive yes. in, in its nature. What, how, what strategies and techniques are, are you providing to teachers with your professional development to help keep the students in class? Because if, mm -hmm. if they're not in class, then the student isn't learning, the teacher isn't teaching, and, and that student ends up in your office. Um, you've got to babysit that child. So <laughs> what kind of do you use there? Well, and, and one of the other components of the rubric I was talking about, Mr. Gamage, is um, behavior management. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a large part of that rubric because, as you know, um, that if, if teachers can't control children, children can't learn. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just the, that's just plain and simple. Um, but one of the things that we do to uh, keep children in class is that we, uh, number one, we follow the contents of that rubric as it relates to behavior management. Um, and also too, we, we are a PBIS school, uh, mm-hmm. positive behavioral intervention and supports. And so with that, we have a matrix that we kind of govern ourselves by. Um, and in every setting of our building, there's a, there's expectations. Uh, so our children know what the expectations are are in the cafeteria, in the classroom, on the recess ground. Uh, There's signs posted as reminders all throughout our building. Um, We do hold um, uh, assemblies to remind students as well of what those expectations are. Um, And teachers do the same thing in their classrooms on a uh, daily and a weekly basis. They remind kids of the expectations of the school and what that matrix means and what it says. Um, And they hold those uh, community circle time in the mornings, uh, especially in the lower level grades like pre-K, kindergarten one and two. Um, where they bring those children to the rug every morning and then they go over the expectations for the day. And it's in an attempt to be preventive and proactive versus reacting when the behavior has already happened. Um, And so that's one of the things that PBIS affords us. It affords us that proactive and preventive measure. Um, And again, um, we know that there's also an incentive, um, a tangible incentive that's tied to PBIS as well. And so when children are exhibiting our expectations at Kingsington, elementary school and those expectations are being respectful responsible and ready to learn when we see children exhibiting those behaviors they earn what we call koala cash um, because we are koalas that's our mascot Um, and so as they earn koala cash um, they're able to um, of course redeem that cash for certain monthly incentives and it may be hot chocolate month it may be free recess it may be uh, things of that nature and also, too, Mr. Gamage, coupled with that PBIS incentive, we have uh, we have combined that with another um, uh, program called House. And so children are not just able to earn koala cash, but they're able to earn tokens. And they're nothing more than little poker chips. Um, and that and so they earn the koala cash for their selves, mm-hmm. but the tokens are earned for their house. Mm-hmm. And so. All of our students are in a house. We have five of them, um, and they're named after the rivers in our area, Black River, Waccamaw, PD, Sampet, you know. Um, and so whenever um, these children earn tokens for their house, we tally the points at the end of the nine weeks, and these children are able to take a trip away from the campus. And so that, too, is an incentive to help children to be respectful, responsible, ready to learn, um, and it's a competition. And our children love to compete. And so it helps them to be reminded of their behavior. And so that helps to keep them in the classroom. Now, of course, you know, no one program is going to catch all children. Of course. You know, so, but it does captures 80% of our children, which is ideal. Yeah. Um, and so we do have those outliers that it does, it, it, you know, things that we've been trying like PBIS, house. Uh, we're still trying to figure out some things for the remaining, you know, uh, 20% um, that seems to be outliers, and we'll continue to troubleshoot those things. Um, but for the most part, we utilize those programs like PBIS and House to kind of remind children of expectations for behavior, um, and it's been very successful. Um, and uh, But we're trying to move away from the tangible rewards uh, because we want children to realize that you do good and you're respectful and you're responsible and you're ready to learn not to earn a reward, but you're you're doing it because you should do it. <laughs> you should be respectful because it's the right thing to do. 
You right. should be responsible because it's the right thing to do. So we are meeting children where they are, and we are doing what it takes to get them to where we need them to be. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, you, you mentioned uh, posting those expectations around the school. What are some of your expectations for students on campus? Mm -hmm. um, of course, our expectations, they do fall underneath that umbrella of, uh, of our three main expectations, which I've already shared, which is being respectful, responsible, ready to learn. Um, those are the three things that all other expectations in our school fall under. Um, and of course, you know, we have, again, um, in the cafeteria, in the uh, classroom, we have more detailed um, expectations that fall underneath those three umbrelas. For example, in the classroom, they know, uh, or in an assembly, for example, children know that when we have an assembly that they are to keep their eyes on the speaker and that they are to not speak when the speaker is speaking. Um, that goes back to the big umbrella of being respectful, you know. Um, and again, we have, we have expectations like that once again for all settings of our building um, that falls underneath those three um, major expectations. Um, so, and, and again, our children know them. They're posted around the school. Our teachers, they do remind them, and I remind them daily on morning announcements as well. Um, we also have something that we call essential expectations. Um, and uh, essential expectations goes back to soft skills. Um, it's pretty much what your mom and your grandma taught you. Um, and it's these skills that we, our young children seem to have forgotten or maybe they haven't been taught. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, and so these soft skills are essential expectations. They also uh, come from Ron Clark. Um, and you may be familiar with Ron Clark from the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, our teachers take a trip there for training every year. And so he has a book called The Essential 55. And so we've adopted, uh, we've adopted 15 of those essentials to incorporate into our um, uh, into our matrix, yeah. our behavior matrix. Yes. Right on, right on. So let, let me go inside the classroom for a minute. And, uh, yes, sir. With your teachers. Um, it, so I have my expectations. What happens when, um, uh, well, first, before I go there, with the PBIS and um, uh, in the house program, are those, are those digital programs? Or is that something that each teacher keeps track of? Uh, <laughs> manually yes sir are those are those programs are those digital programs um, they're not no sir they're not digital programs um, we're looking to move toward uh, toward a, a digital system called Swiss that will kind of help us track behavior um, and that is a part of PBIS some schools in our district have already piloted and they've taken off with that we're looking to do that as well pretty soon um, but it is not a digital program it is pretty much a, uh, a it's pretty much a manual program um, in terms of it being um, um, uh, pretty much our posters that are hung on the wall um, and uh, we have we have expectations that are laid out in a handbook for our teachers we also have a handbook for our students and also to for our parents um, so it's pretty much um, a, a, a hard copy or manual program not anything digital um, yeah. at this point in time um, so so yeah I have heard of the Swiss as well. I, that, that's that's interesting. I, I'm I, I know PBIS and Swiss, and they've got all kinds of stuff. Yes, sir. Looks like a great system. So it is. Um, it is. I'd be interested to hear more about that. But I'm not going to stay on it right now. <laughs> um, so when when I'm in the classroom, and say I'm in fifth grade, you have K five. 
I have pre-K through five. Pre-K through five. Yes. I'm in the fifth or fourth grade classroom, and, and I disrupt instruction. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what happens to me? What, where do I go when, when I disrupt class, or what happens when a student disrupts instruction? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever uh, a child disrupts instruction, um, again, we have a protocol that we follow that's laid out with PBIS, our matrix, um, and also in our handbook. And um, it depends on what the infraction is. Uh, but typically, let's say that a child um, is um, being disruptive and, um, and they're talking and the teacher's talking, uh, whatever the case might be, the teacher's going to give a warning. Um, and so um, if the teacher gives the warning and the behavior continues, then our teacher will give a second warning. Um, and at that second warning, our teachers may also begin to move the child's clip down because we have a clip system in the classroom um, and it's a color coded system. And um, it's the same and it's uniform throughout our building. And, um, and they know that when they move from purple um, to, um, um, to an, an orange, they know that, guess what? That means I need to check myself mm. at that point in time. Mm. Um, and then if that behavior continues, then what that teacher is going to do, she's going to move that clip down again. And that clip at that point in time means that um, it's, uh, if we don't pull ourselves together, together we're going to call the parent. Gotcha. All right. And so um, at that point in time, if that behavior continues, then that child, that teacher's going to move that clip down again. And that child may end up on a red. And when that child is on red, that parent is called. Um, and also, too, I, uh, I may even get an office referral um, or either um, um, or a parent communication form, a copy of a parent communication form um, that goes home. And so when that parent communication form goes home, it just says to the parent, Johnny had this problem today. I need you to talk with him. Um, and also the behavior may have persisted to the point where the child got an office referral. And so that teacher would um, share with that parent and said, well, Johnny uh, got a parent communication form and an office referral. And this is the reason why he's on red today. And so our, par our parents know what all the colors mean. Uh, because it's laid out at the beginning of the school year. Uh, our children know what the color-coded system means. Um, and so with that color-coded system, we do, um, we do couple it with our parent communication forms and also to our office referrals. And I, let me also say, too, that our parent communication forms are for those infractions that may not be that big of a deal, right. but, they're, but they're disruptive. Right. Um, but if a child gets into a fight, that's an automatic office referral. And mm -hmm. so apparently that child will move automatically from, you know, maybe having a good day green to a red. You know, um, but I will say with that being said, they do have the opportunity to move up and down on that um, that color coded behavior management chart. So mm -hmm. even if you at 12 o'clock, um, you're you're on red, you still have the opportunity to move back on a green because we believe that every child deserves a second and maybe even a third chance. Mm -hmm. And so that way, um, children don't feel like, hey, guess what? I'm just going to act up the rest of the day because I'm already on red and right. I know I'm going home on red. So I'm just going to tear this class apart. And so when they realize that they do have an opportunity to be, to be redeemed, it does give them that opportunity and that, that um, incentive to change and correct that behavior so they can get back to a good place um, before the end of the day. Okay. That, that's, that sounds very tactful uh, mm -hmm. and, and very much restorative. Restorative practices in the classroom are, are always big. You know, in, yes. in a lot of cases, if, if sending the child home was the answer, they wouldn't be getting in trouble in the first place. That's true. And, and so that, that's, that's a powerful uh, method and tactic that you guys are using to keep students in class. How yes, many sir. students are getting sent to your office on, on a daily basis, would you say? 
Um, on a daily basis, I would say between five um, and eight children. Okay. Um, and again, those behaviors may range from a child being disruptive um, and a teacher would like for me to speak to the child before an office referral is given. Um, and that's another strategy that they use. And, and, and half the time it works when they come to my office or to my assistant principal's office, that usually corrects the problem. Um, but then for the other, um, you know, four or five children, um, it may be that we have to take it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, but we also too have, uh, we also too employ uh, restorative practice. We have those questions that we allow children to answer um, when, a ch when something has gone wrong or when another child has gotten hurt. Um, and uh, it's kind of a, a reflective tool. Um, and so we ask those questions such as what happened? Um, how did you feel? What was your mind telling you at the time? Um, who was affected by this? And so I have those children to actually fill out that restorative uh, practice questionnaire. Um, and then afterwards, we have a conversation about it. And so when I contact parents, I'm able to share with them what their children actually wrote um, as they reflected on their behavior. Um, and, and a lot of times that, that gets them to think and they get it and they go, okay, that's, I, I hurt somebody. Um, and I hurt more than just the person I was mad with. I also hurt my parents because guess what? They have to come and see Mr. Cobb in the morning for a conference. Uh, yeah. And it affects everybody because mama has to get off from work early or she has to go in late because she has to come to the school for a conference and it really begins to help with the behavior and we've been seeing a whole lot of progress with those restorative questions that we've been sharing with our students that's great that's great do you do um are your teachers are they pretty good at following that sequence and, and not skipping the process and sending students straight to your office for the most part yes sir um and like i said it's it's pretty much ingrained in our culture of our school um and um so for the most part yes they do follow the the protocol they know what it is and they do a, a really good job of following it how um how long have you guys been using pbis in this district um, I think PBIS has been, um, I've been in the district for 18 years and um, for at least 15 of those years, I can remember PBIS being um, 10 to 15 years, I've, I can remember and recall PB, PBIS being a part of the schools that I've taught in. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. that's, that's good, that's good. Um, so when it comes to your, your future success and the mission that you guys have to achieve, what is the biggest gap or obstacle in your way of success right now? Mm, that's a very good question, Mr. Gamage. Um, the biggest obstacle from keep, that keeps us from reaching our goal. Um, well, I, can, I guess I can start with the goal. You know, our, our goal is to uh, be able to prepare our students for the 21st century and uh, to, to provide sound, strong instruction in a nurturing, safe environment. Um, and so... I feel like one of those obstacles, of course, um, as always, are, is time and also to finances or resources. Mm -hmm. um, and so those in, in, on, on that line of resources, um, I'm thinking about technology, you know, and even though Georgetown County School District is, has a one-to-one -one initiative and we're getting, there, um, we're, we're getting there quickly, I still feel that, like there's a gap, um, even though we're making steps in the right direction. Um, with the technology, and we're working on that. And what also helps is being a Title I school, which is very helpful and beneficial because we are able to get children some things that they need that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Um, yeah. In terms of technology, 
Um, and, um, and also too, I think just, um, having a good, strong manpower, that's another resource, um, that I think is lacking. We have a need for interventionists. We have a need for math and reading interventionists. We have a need for, our, um, uh, for rehabilitative, um, uh, behavioral, um, uh, specialists in our building to kind of help us with behavior and help us figure it out. Um, and so, um, uh, these are some, some things that we've got to work through to be able to reach our goal of preparing our students for the 21st century, um, and also to help them be uh, career and uh, college ready um, as well, um, as dictated by the profile of the South Carolina graduate. Um, so again, I would say um, time, uh, resources that would be in the form of finances and also manpower. Um, and uh, I, I think those are, those are always the, 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 the obstacles. Yeah, yeah. Has there been any, um, and I mean, there's a lot of those that, that we can hit on right now. Um, you know, the Title I helps and, and you're making progress when it comes to technology and things. So mm -hmm. when it comes to, to manpower, um, more specifically your interventionists, your, yes. your reading coaches and your behavior interventionists, what alternatives or what routes have you tried thus far um, mm -hmm. to bridge that gap? Mm -hmm. um, well, some of our, um, our, our folks, they've been doing double duty. <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's necessary to, uh, to do that when you're um, not um, as equipped as you need to be. So we do have our, our reading interventionists that are, um, that's and we only have one. Um, and she's been taking on, you know, larger caseloads um, in terms of um, students. And, um, you know, she, uh, even with our reading coach, she's been getting up and her job is to go into those classrooms and, and coach those teachers, uh, provide professional development in terms of reading and also math. Um, and that's another thing, too, even though she's the reading coach, she's been given instruction and, and coachings on math as well. Um, it would be nice to have just someone that's there for math, but we don't have that person. So she's been working with teachers with the math aspect as well. Um, and, um, and so, and even for my, um, assistant principal and myself, um, just providing professional development ourselves on things that teachers need and need in terms of support, um, because we are also instructional leaders, you know, and we have, we've got to walk in those shoes, uh, especially when we don't have money to pay a consultant to come in and yeah. teach us. Uh, you know, teach our teachers how to, you know, how to plan or how to strategize when it comes down to behavior management or, you know, um, and things of that nature. So we, we come, we step in there and we fill in the gaps where we don't have the finances to do that or the manpower. Um, and that's what, just what we do. And we're comfortable doing that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that that's all you can do a lot of times. You know, that's, that's, that's mm -hmm. what you're in the position for is to make that, um, make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. The principals I work with, that's, it'll give you a task and make it happen. That, that's <laughs> happen at the end of the day. That's it. That's right. So, so in the future, looking forward to next year, the next two years, um, how, when these problems are solved, what is your school looking like? Mm. Um, I see Kingsington Elementary School um, as a school that is able to focus more on instruction. Um, I see us as a school that is going from an average school to a good school. You know, we just got our school report cards. Um, and so I see us uh, performing at a very, at a higher level in, uh, academically, um, especially when we are able to um, give strong professional development um, in instruction and also regarding behavior management to our teachers. I see us maximizing that instructional time and there's a loss of 
of instructional time in, in the classroom, um, which we do expect to see the results of that on state testing. Um, and the results of doing well on state testing will translate into uh, highest uh, report cards for our school. Um, and um, I, I see us also um, being able to um, bring on or to uh, dive into other areas that we haven't been able to, such as um, going stronger with STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and we do have the opportunity to begin to work with uh, our uh, start a robotics program, um, uh, or to or not just to start a robotics program, but also to to participate in a robotics competition in Horry County uh, for the upcoming school year. So I see us um, going stronger, um, building our STEM. Um, program um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring on a science um, um, or STEM teacher to help guide us toward that um, with some um, um, extra finances. So I'm hoping that will be the case for next year and in, in the years to come. Um, again, to prepare our students for what they will see in the real world, you know, and what they will see is science, technology, engineering, and math uh, taking off and, um, and preparing them to be um, successful in those fields and in those careers, you know, is very important, but you know, their futures start here. And so I'm hoping that in the years to come that we're able to, um, to build um, our capacity um, yeah. as it relates to STEM. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That's mm -hmm. great, Mr. Kyle. I, yes, I appreciate all your words and um, it sounds like you're on the right track. Kensington is a school that um, I'm going to have to come and visit you guys. Yes, sir. We'd love to have you. <laughs> all right, all right, right on. Is there any is there any last words or final words that you would want to leave to anybody listening that's maybe going through the same um, process in elementary school, principal, whoever um, that you want to share? Mm. Um, well, just in a general um, uh, a general statement, um, education is such a, a noble and a profound um, 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 field and um, is very complex because there's so many different stakeholders um, from our students to our teachers to our parents um, and it's very important that we're able to navigate and collaborate with each other for the success of the students that we all serve and um, there are days that um, some days are more trying than others but at the end of the day um, our students are worth it because they're our future yeah. And uh, I would say that any support that could be given to the field of education, we welcome it um, because we pour it back into our students every day. And uh, I, I, I would choose no other profession than education because when you get the opportunity to spark a light in the lives of children um, and uh, when you're able to shape their minds and their futures uh, because these are the people that will be our doctors, these are the people that will be our nurses, these are the people that are going to be our lawyers um, and to be able to shape their minds uh, is just a powerful thing and it's a privilege and, um, and so I would say that to anyone that is looking to go into the field of education, uh, for those students that are still in the field of education, to those uh, teachers that have just started in the field. Um, we, I would say to you that there are challenges, but the rewards outweigh the challenges by far. And so when you walk into your classroom and you see those children and those eyes looking back at you and, um, and, and, and when you can pour into them and you can change their lives and change their future, it is just a joy and there's nothing like it in the world. Um, and so, um, I would say, um, we're, we're in the business of children and we're in the business of, um, of, of saving lives. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. Cobb and Kids yes, Elementary. 
Um, thank you for listening. If you like this, please share it with a principal, assistant principal, guidance counselor, behavior specialist. Share it with educators because that's what we're focused on here with the Dash Podcast is providing educators with talented, meaningful, significant ed- conversation on how to bridge the gap in education. We'll see you next time on the Dash Podcast.